Well, well, well. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Therapy with the Illusionist. My name is Adesheto, aka the Illusionist, and I'll be your presenter for today. Yep. So um today we're gonna be discussing um a viral topic lately which is rape and sexual assault of a thing. So um I I decided I wanna use this podcast today to enlighten people more about um this concept of rape and um to challenge the myths that some people have about the whole topic because I feel like some people are not really um vast about the whole thing. So are we gonna talk about how to deal with um previous rape um, encounters or sexual assault that if anyone has had previously um this is what the podcast is gonna be about today so um, let's follow up so um first we're gonna define sexual assault and rape so um what is sexual assault Sexual assault is any act of a sexual nature where one person has not given consent. Not giving consent means not giving you permission for something to happen, either explicitly by saying no, or implicitly through body language, which indicates that you're not interested. On average, one in four women and one in ten men are sexually assaulted in their lifetimes. So that means, literally, most people have been sexually assaulted once in a while. So, and what is rape? Rape is defined as a man putting his penis in someone else's mouth, anus, or vagina without a consent. Or, rape is defined as a woman putting a man's penis in her mouth, anus, or vagina without a man's consent. Well, sexual assault and rape are serious crimes, like very serious crimes. The maximum prison sentence for rape and sexual assault is life imprisonment. So, if you indulge in rape, you can literally spend the rest of your life in jail. So quickly, let's go to the facts about sexual assault and challenging the common myths that people really have about sexual assault and rape as a general topic. Um, well, the thing is, a lot of people do not know the facts about sexual assault, to be honest. Responsibility for the offender's action lies with the offender, never with the survival of this crime. I mean, when people wrongfully blame survivors of sexual assault for what happened, it can lead to feelings of self-blame, shame, and guilt. Like, it is important for everyone, especially survivors, to be aware of the facts about sexual assault so that they can challenge popularly believed rape myths. Rape myths wrongfully let offenders off the hook for the actions by placing the blame for the sexual assault on a survivor instead. So, it's literally not a good thing. So, that's why we need to be properly enlightened about this case. So, let's go to the first myth. So, um, the first myth on my list is um, dressing a certain way, taking drugs or drinking alcohol means that you're asking for it. Now, well. The fact is, the clothes a person wears, or the alcohol they drink, or the drug they take do not show that they want to engage in sexual intercourse with another person. I mean, consent to have sex has to be communicated directly. Drugs, alcohol, where you are, your clothing, and ever an invitation for rape 
I mean, the offender is ultimately responsible for the assault. This myth distorts the truth by shifting blame away from the offender and onto the survivor. So it's very wrong. People can wear what they want. That doesn't necessarily mean they want to have sex. So please understand that. Now the second myth is, most people who report rape are lying, looking for attention or seeking revenge. Well, please, that's a myth. I mean, it's not particularly true. In fact, almost everyone who reports rape is telling the truth. Like, this is for real. Almost everyone. I mean, we've seen, okay, very bad cases of people lying about this um, rape accusation of the thing, but believe me, no one wants to be in that situation. So most of these people are telling the truth. I mean, this myth suggests false allegations of rape are common. In fact, it is far more common for rape and sexual assault not to be reported than when it is reported. So it takes a lot of courage to come forward and say you have been sexually assaulted. A majority of people report sexual assault are telling the truth. Please, whenever someone comes up to you and um, reports a, a, a rape case to you or a sexual assault kid, first, just try to investigate if it's true. Like, it's not easy for someone to just come up with these kind of lies. So, please do not, like, tell them that they are lying or tell them that they are trying to seek revenge. Please do not do that. Now, the third myth is... Um, if a person says no, it actually means yes or try harder. That, I would say, is very wrong. I mean, I mean, you could be right, but then, a no is a no. Just try to understand that a no is a no. If a person says no, it actually means no, until stated otherwise. Saying no is not playing out to get for you. When a person says no to sex, it means they do not want to have sex. It's as simple as that. This meat undermines the ability of a person to express consent clearly. It suggests people might use ambiguous ways of communicating their willingness to have sex. It is also misleading because it falsely assumes that people are not able to tell when someone does not consent to sex, even if a person does not explicitly say no. I mean, their body language such as crying or tensing up can clearly indicate that they are not giving consent. It is the responsibility of the person who wants to have sex to clarify that consent is being given. The next one is most people do not or cannot fight back during a sexual assault. This does not mean they wanted it. I mean, fighting back can increase the risk of injury and may result in death. Everyone reacts differently when faced with a life threatening situation. It is very common to freeze or submit during a sexual assault to prevent further harm. This does not mean that the survivor consented or something. I mean, the myth strongly suggests that the only way to, to respond to a threatening person is by fighting back. That's very wrong. But when faced with a threat, a person can respond automatically by fighting back, running away, freezing, or submitting to minimize harm. I mean, these responses are automatic. They cannot be controlled or planned in advance. In addition, as the average man is bigger and stronger than the average woman, the brain might choose the freeze or submit response during a sexual assault to reduce the likelihood of more serious injuries that could result from fighting back. Please understand that as well. And the next myth is a real survivor remembers all the details of the sexual assault clearly. Well, which I would say is particularly wrong as well. It is common for survivors to find it hard to remember all of the details of their sexual assault. This does not mean that they are lying or deliberately leaving out details. 
they may gradually remember more as the process what happened. The myth strongly, wrongly suggests that a person's memory of a traumatic event should be clear and make sense. Well, meanwhile, memories are always incomplete and have gaps. So this will not be taken as an indicator of accuracy. Memories of a traumatic event typically contain a few key details. They can also be, be affected by alcohol, drugs, and sometimes lead to loss of memory. So this does not mean that this person is lying or because they can't really remember what clearly happened does not mean um, they're lying or something. Please just take this into consideration as well. And the next myth here is, well, this one is particularly common. Like a lot of people believe men are not sexually assaulted, which is very wrong. Well, for me as well, I've had my own share of it, which I would not like to speak of today. But then rape does not happen to women and girls alone well mostly women and girls though but it also happens to men and boys mostly when they are younger like in fact anyone can be raped or sexually assaulted anyone at all i mean the myths wrongly suggest that it's not correct at all because men have been sexually assaulted but men are just less likely to report the rape and sexual assault so that's the only thing there well, on the next 20 years, becoming sexually aroused during rape or sexual assault shows enjoyment and implies consent, which I would say is very, very, very wrong as well. Because sexual, sexual arousal is an automatic response to stimulation of genitals and other sensitive body parts. When stimulated, it is not possible for someone to consciously control whether or not they become aroused. In addition, being aroused during an assault does not indicate someone's sexuality. For example, a male survivor may have an erection during an rape. This does not mean that he's gay or something. It just naturally happens. Same as the opposite sex. Because um, a, a lady decides to come whenever there's a rape case. does not mean that she, she wanted it or something. This cannot be controlled. So please, it is not consent. And finally here, education, socioeconomic status, religion, cultural or ethnicity have nothing to do with it, whether someone is capable of rape or not. The myth is damaging because survivors might feel more afraid of disclosing a rape. If the rapist is someone who is well respected and liked in the community, or is in a position of power or authority, for fear of not being believed. I mean, this happens a lot because you know, we've seen cases of women getting raped by, by men in power, by the lecturers or pastors for real. And, you know, they could be in fear of not being believed, but being judged by everyone. And this is a very bad thing to think. Anyone can be a rapist. I mean, you should know more about this. There are no typical features that can be used to identify a rapist. The rapist is a rapist. There is no um, anything attached. It could be anyone. So please put that into consideration as well. So now we'll discuss um, general coping strategies for people who have been sexually assaulted. Now let's go to the first one. Well, before I go to the first one, let's understand that recovering from sexual assault takes time. It is important to look after yourself and to accept care and support from others. So let's go. The first one is talk to others about how you're feeling when you feel ready. Don't let anyone force you. When you feel like, okay, you need to speak up, then do it. Speak up. Bottling your feelings can make you feel worse. The next one, spend time with friends, family, peers. 
anyone who can offer you support don't be scared or be scared of anyone's going to judge you or something just speak up please but remind yourself that you're alive and you survived the assault remind yourself of the little and the big things you achieve every day such as um i read a paper i took an exam um you know stuff like that I took a journey i traveled i had i enjoyed myself remind yourself of those happy things those little memories that could keep you going each day and the thing is positive self-talk is important when you're feeling low tell yourself i will be okay things take time to get better so you'll be okay try to remember what helped you get through your other difficult experiences in your life i mean we've all been through stuff and somehow somehow we are still here living fine do more of what has worked for you in the past such as going for a walk listening to music watching a comedy movies anything like that. and um, as much as possible try to avoid drugs and alcohol Drinking alcohol or taking drugs to cope without your feelings likely to make you feel worse in the long run. They might numb your feelings, but they will not solve the problem. They can cloud your mind and prevent you from coping well. Alcohol and drugs is not the way, please. Well, try not to avoid remainders of the assault entirely. Avoidance can be helpful in the short term, but it's unhelpful in the long run. Then, just go back to your usual routines. Get up at the same time each day, get ready for work, school, whatever, and try to do your tasks for the day. Don't let this thing get into your head and just spoil your mood each day. No, it's wrong. Try as much as possible as well to challenge your difficult emotions when you can. You know, instead of attacking when feeling angry, walk away from what is causing it. Instead of avoiding something or someone that makes you feel anxious, fearful, approach that person and approach it. Instead of avoiding activities and people when you feel, Try to do something and oh, meet others as well. And finally here, before we put an end to this episode today, let's understand that people who have been sexually assaulted can find it difficult to trust others. This can make it harder for them to meet new people or have intimate close relationships as well. It's normal. It's normal to find it difficult to have sexual relationships after a sexual assault. Sex will remind you of the assault. Of course, it's real. You may feel bad about yourself and your body. You know, for example, some survivors say they feel dirty or undesirable because of what has happened. Well, this is not true. I don't feel you're dirty or you are undesirable because most people don't know. And even if they know, so what? Others may react in a very opposite way. Having sex with a lot of different partners after an assault depends. Sexual assault can be committed by men or women. Against men or women, no matter what the survivor's sexuality, sexual assault has nothing to do with the survivor's sexuality, please. For example, a heterosexual man might be sexually assaulted by a homosexual man, and vice versa. Sexual assault is a crime of power, not a question of sexuality. So, uh, let's understand that it is not in any way related to your sexuality or anything at all. So... So please, if you've been a victim and um, you find it hard to have relationships and also have intimacy problems, please understand that what happened to you was not sex, it was assault. Tell yourself that you're not dirty, you are a survivor. Become, be careful about risky situations. I mean, make sure you feel safe and comfortable when having sex. I mean, if you feel bad at any point, talk to your partner about it. Let them know that finding sex difficult is a normal reaction to sexual assault. It does not mean that you do not love or care for your partner anymore. And to start with as well, try to get sexually close to your partner through other forms of physical t- contact, such as non-sexual touching, you know, for example, cuddling, 
massage rather than having sexual intercourse every time okay guys so uh thank you for coming here to listen to me again i really appreciate you god bless you don't forget to share to your friends and don't forget to be here again wednesday 7 p.m thank you very much my name is adisha todinishonist bye